0: out this evening. It's good to be back home with all of you. Uh, We always enjoy our vacations, but it's always a pleasure to to come back with with our brethren. Tonight, we're going to start, it's a two-part series, but i got so much time, we probably got enough time to do both parts, but I'll probably just stick to the one part tonight. First Peter, chapter 5, part 1. Lord willing, we'll finish up the book at the, the next Sunday. and I, I hope that this book has been beneficial for y'all. It's, it's been beneficial for me. If nothing else, to, to take a deeper look. There are some great lessons that in the book of Peter in the first book that we can make application in our lives today. Especially with the way the news media and stuff and uh, persecution for doing those things which are right. Um can't remember Angie was telling me about a story the other day where there's a there was someone in Hollywood that he's saying where they're trying to depict Christianity as evil in Hollywood and so he's he's saying he's he's taking a stand saying Y'all, you're taking you're taking uh, Christianity and you're making it evil in in your movies and such and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna see this more and more uh, we've, we've seen the corruptness of our government and stuff that the more and more wicked it's becoming as they stray further and further from the teachings of God's word as Ben had written earlier First Peter chapter 5 verse 1 Peter's going to address a group of people here the elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and they witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He's addressing the overseers of each congregation. If you remember, in verse 1, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so he's he's addressing the elders that would have been in these locations every city or congregation would have their own eldership notice among you elders have no oversight beyond the congregation that they shepherd that is God's plan that way if you have a congregation that is corrupt it's not corrupting all congregations it's being autonomous is is, was a true blessing of God and so it is the elders responsibility that the elder that the congregation never uh, strays away from God's true teachings. In Titus chapter 1 verse 5 this is the instructions that Paul gave Titus. For this cause left I thee in Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting or lacking and ordain elders where in every city as I had appointed thee. In Acts chapter 14 verse 23 And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And so most of the times when you go into these smaller towns or cities, you're going to have one congregation. But I'm sure the towers being near Jonesboro, you had multiple congregations in that one one city, that larger city. And so uh, you would have, uh, it's God's plan to have elders over every congregation. Whether that be uh, one congregation in a city or if there's multiple congregations, each one of those congregations are to have their own set of men appointed as elders. He goes on to say, Who am also an elder? And so Peter was an elder of the Lord's church. We know that Peter was married because Jesus healed his sick mother in law. In Luke chapter 4, verse 38. And he arose out of the synagogue, that's Jesus, and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother, this is Simon Peter, was taken with great fever and they besought him for her. And so we know that that Simon had a wife. Though not mentioned, Peter would also have believing children. It's not ever mentioned anything about his children, but in order to be an elder, in Titus chapter 1 verse 6, if any be blameless... The husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. And so this would tell us that Peter had children that had obeyed the gospel of the Lord. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1, he also says that he's, he's talking of himself a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He had first hand uh, an account of what happened to Christ. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus is telling them that the Holy Ghost would come and give them power, notice, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and in Samaria, and on to the othermost part of the earth. And so, this, as we have studied many times, this one verse is more or less the outline to the book of Acts. And, um, Lord willing in April uh, Ben's going to be begin a class on the book of Acts and we're all looking very forward to that but this is like the outline but they were to be witnesses in, at First John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 John writes that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness. And show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Remember John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14 it said, And dwelt among us. Oh man. And was manifested. I'm going to go to it because I don't want to mess it up. John 1.14 And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so God uh, was manifested in the flesh um, and so He was God with us. And so they were eyewitnesses. They, they heard it. They saw him. They looked upon him. Their hands handled him. Remember, we, we know that um, Thomas, you know, he told him to place his fingers uh, even into the wounds and stuff. And so they were able to actually touch Christ. They, they were able to hear the words firsthand that he spoke. We can't witness today because we did not see Jesus in the flesh. Also, we can't have modern day apostles and and Terry kind of uh, hit on that in the gospel meeting. But in order to be an an apostle in Acts chapter 1 verses 21 and 22 when Judas had hung himself and they needed someone to uh, take over the uh, bishopric or the office of an elder. I'm not elder apostle. In Acts chapter 1 verses 21 and 22 they're going to lay out a, a requirement. Whereof wherefore of these men which have accompanied us with all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from the baptism of John onto the same day that he was taken up from us must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection and so they had to be able to uh, see Jesus after he resurrected from the grave and so in in that day and time uh, Paul was always having to defend his apostleship because he wasn't one of the chosen twelve. But he was one chosen out of due season. But he was a witness after the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. That's what Paul's dealing with in this chapter. He's defending. He's saying, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Well, we know he saw him on the road to Damascus. And then he says, "Are ye not my work, my work in the Lord?" Well, one of the qualifications of, or one of the things that was uh, unique to the apostles is when you read the book of Acts, by the laying of the apostles' hand, the Holy Ghost was given. And so those in the congregation, no doubt, many of them had been had their hand, uh, Paul's hand laid upon them, and then they were baptized with the Holy Ghost. And so he's saying, "You're my work in the Lord." You are uh, you you have seen what I'm able to do that mere men can't do because I am an apostle of the Lord. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, Peter says, he also says that he's a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Elders are important, the apostles were important however to be a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed is the most important achievement Peter could ever obtain that's the one thing that everyone should want to obtain that's the one thing that everyone can we've already pointed out you can't be an apostle and if you're not a a male a woman can never achieve to be an elder and so this is something that every Christian can look forward to but I also want to, want to show you as we had talked about Judas even though he was an apostle he still failed. I'm going to start with Acts chapter 1 verse 16. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas. Which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us, and obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist, and all his bowels gushed out. <clears throat> I'm trying to find. I'll just keep reading until I see what I'm looking for. 19. And it was known on all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called in their proper tongue, a seladoma. That is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no male dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. That's that office. Wherefore, of these men... Which have accompanied us with all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. <clears throat> Beginning from the baptism of John onto the same day that he was taken up from us must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said that Lord which knoweth the hearts of all men show whether these two thou shalt have chosen. <clears throat> this is the verse I was looking for. Verse 25 that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell. Apostles were not above falling from God's grace. And so, through his transgression, he fell. Elders, they too were not above falling from God's grace. That's the warning that Paul's going to give them in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 verse 29 when he's talking to the elders there in Ephesus for I know this that after my departing shall thank you so much. after my departing shall grievous rules enter in among you and not sparing the flock those will be those false teachers but notice in verse 30 also of your own selves from the own from the eldership within that church Shall men men arise speaking perverse things that draw away disciples after them? Elders are not above above falling from God's grace. Apostles are not above. Christians aren't either, but if we become a partaker, that means we've made it. Paul. Paul said that he would hate to be a castaway when he had what saved others. And so, Paul was not above being a preacher of the gospel, was not above falling from God's grace. In Romans chapter 8, verses 17 and 18, Paul writes to the church at Rome, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And so, what does that say? Anything that Christ has privileges to, when we make it to heaven, we will also receive those same, those same privileges. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And so, as we've been talking in this book about the persecutions and sufferings that they're going to go into, that's going to be nothing compared to what they will receive in heaven. These things are just for a season. Paul. He gives that long list of all the things he went through. But he said it was just a light affliction. In verse John, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Why? Because we're joint heirs. For we shall see him as he is. Verse 2, now Peter's still talking to the elders. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not from filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Again, the elders of a congregation are responsible for making sure the church that they are overseers of is being fed the word of God. This was a task given to Peter by the Lord after his resurrection. John chapter 21 verse 15 so when they had died Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of Jonas lovest thou me more than these he saith on him yea Lord thou knowest that I love thee he saith on him feed my lambs verse 16 he saith to him again the second time Simon son of Jonas lovest thou me he saith on him yea Lord thou knowest that I love thee he saith on him feed my sheep Verse 17, he saith on him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, loveth thou me? Peter was grieved because he said on him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now, well, there's a good study on the word love there, but I didn't go through that. But notice what every command, when he's asking him if he loves him, feed my lambs. And so lambs would be your young disciples. That word sheep there can be translated sheepfold, and we know the sheepfold is the church. <clears throat> I had just thought of another point. But I don't know where to find it in the Scripture, but you remember uh, Jesus told Peter, he says that when you're converted, strengthen the disciples. See, when Peter denied the Lord, he, had, he was lost. But when he was converted, when he, when he, we know he was, he had remorse, he had repentance. Remember when Jesus looked at him and he went away weeping bitterly. He was ready to die with him, but when it came to the persecution of those crowds there, it became too much. And he denied the Lord. And so the Bible's, he Jesus tells him when you're converted, strengthen the disciples. Judas couldn't overcome that. The guilt was too much for Judas. And he took his own life. the flock of God we've kind of already touched on it, but notice that the church the flock belongs to God and not to the ownership taking the oversight thereof they are to oversee that's to help lead them to heaven in Acts 20 verse 32 when they were when he tells them in verse 28 take heed there on therefore unto yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. What up are they going to feed him? Verse 32. And now brethren I commend you to God and to the word of his grace that's the gospel which is able to build you up edify you and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. That's what's going to help you become a partaker of the glory to come. With the present persecution, the church would need much edification. That's why we we look the, back in Hebrews ten twenty five when it says not forsaken the assembly. Why? Because you're not going to get the edification you need to be able to ex- extend, uh, be able to stand those things that are going to come from all different angles against you. But notice he tells not by constraint, but willingly. You're going to not take this cons- by constraint the oversight of the flock. You're going to do it willingly. Elders must be willing to take on the responsibility. I may not have it in here, but if you look at that word constraint, it means that you do it just because God wants that. Right. You do it because the Bible shows that there should be elders in place. But that's not the mindset that, that Paul's laying down in the um, qualifications of an elder. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, when he's telling him what qualifications they should have. This is a true saying: if a man desire the office of a bishop or elder, a pastor, a shepherd, he desireth a good work. Why is it a responsibility? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 it says Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. As they must give an account that they may do it with joy not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. It's a great responsibility when you're looking over the souls of the congregation. God wants all those in service to to him to be of a willing mind. We see this in our worship to God. John four twenty four, having the spirit, and then doing it in truth. In our giving back to Him, Second Corinthians nine seven, so let every man give according as he has purpose in his heart. Uh, so let him give not grudgingly or necessity. For God loveth the cheerful giver. Remember in the Old Testament, God only wanted them to give to the tabernacle when we studied the Book of Exodus, if they were first willing to let it go. That's why I think it's in Malachi when they're giving him the sick and lame animals he said these animals aren't even fit for the governors and here you're you're basically robbing me. You're not giving me the best. Well they didn't have the right attitude. The Israelites didn't have the right attitude towards God. They were giving him the leftovers and the scraps. Notice it says not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind. Remember when we were looking at when the, when the abomination would come and, and they were talking about how brethren would give brethren over, turn them over, just... Well, and elders would know every soul. And so if they were looking for filthy lucre some way to profit from the persecution, this would not be good. But some elders think it's a title. But we see that it's a work. It's the office of a bishop, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. That they desire a good work. Any elder that uses the office for personal gain, he is no longer qualified to be an elder. And and when Paul's given the the, uh, qualifications for an elder to Titus, Titus chapter 1, verse 7. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, nor given, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. And so any elder that was in that persecution in that day and time that were doing things uh, for filthy lucre site, say they were no longer qualified. They weren't meeting the qualifications of an elder. They're dealing with your soul. You don't want someone that's worried about me. You want someone that's worried about you. And then he, he tells them to be of a ready mind. That willing mind to leads God's people. I've looked it up and it's basically, it's saying, you know, they were told to, to, to take the office willingly, but then they have to still have that willing mind to lead once they take that position. In verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being as samples to the flock. Elders are not to be dictators. They're not to be bosses. They are to be samples. They are to work with the congregation in the works. An elder truly qualified should be a role model for the congregation to emulate. Paul not being an elder uh, for he chose the to of like celibacy. And remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 7 verse 8 that, that chapter is dealing a lot with marriage but he says during that present, uh, I can't remember how it's worded, but he's he's dealing with marriage and in, in the, the current distress. 1 Corinthians 7 26 I suppose therefore that this is good for the present distress I say that it is good for a man to so be. What's that distress? That's persecution. If you had a family to worry about during persecution, this this was more that you had to worry about, because now you have a wife and children. For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them to if they abide even as I during this present distress. He's not saying it's better for you to be alone. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he made him a me. But during this present distress, this persecution, Paul said it would be better if you were alone. Paul was a great role model for to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 he says be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. When we first read of Paul he wasn't a good man towards the Lord or his church. He was doing things ignorantly. But as soon as he learned the truth he went straight to working for the Lord. Jesus told him many things will you suffer for my name's sake. And then as we had read, I believe it might have been last week or the week prior to that, um, when they were pleading with him not to go, and he says, I'm not only willing to be imprisoned for Christ, but also to die for Christ. When persecution comes, the elders don't need to abandon the flock. They are to be examples of strength during the harshest times. In John chapter 10 verses 12 and 13, we're very familiar with this chapter when Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door of the sheepfold. Notice what, what Jesus says in verses 12 and 13. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd who's own the sheep are not. And so someone that's tending to the sheep, but they're not their sheep. Right? The sheep belong to who? God. Right. See if the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and flee. It. Now the wolf, uh, in many instances, that's going to be braiding wolves. We read about that in Acts chapter 20. That's going to be false teachers. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. Those that abandon the sheepfold out of fear are no longer fit to care for the sheep. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 4. When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not. Remember, Peter's writing to the elders, the shepherds of God's flock or sheepfold. Well, Jesus told us in John chapter ten, verse eleven, "I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep." Jesus gave his his blood on the cross for that flock, the church of, of God that He purchased with His own blood, Acts twenty. Acts 20 verse 28. Jesus is the head of the church. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 22 and 23. When Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus. And have put all things. That's God the Father. Has put all things under his feet as Jesus Christ. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the door of the church. The only way to get into his church is through him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come on the Father by, by me. John 14, 6. The elders look to the words of Christ in the New Testament to know how to oversee his sheep. But look. Ye shall. So he's still talking about elders. Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Elders receiving their crown of glory is dependent on how they lead, led God's people. That, that makes that responsibility even greater. You're not just worried about your own soul, you're worried about other souls, and depending on how you led his people, it's going to affect when you receive that crown or not. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resist, resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I still have problems with essence from time to time. I went to speech class, but we didn't have, I don't think we had hooked on phonics when I was in school. So y'all just have to deal with my, my reading ability sometimes. Youthful Christians are to submit to their older Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. He's not dealing with the elders any longer. He's dealing with young Christians and older Christians. Then he says, yea, all of you be subject one to another. Christians are to look out for the souls of their brethren. This is not a commandment to be bossy towards your joint heirs in Christ. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, letting him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Pointing out sins with love. Because you care about that person's soul. Be clothed with humility. Bossy people are not humble. Why do it with humility? In Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 when Paul's writing to the churches in the region of Galatia Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall ye which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Why? Considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. For God resisteth the proud, Peter says. High-mindedness is a danger. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Paul gives this warning, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 6. When it's, he's talking about the qualifications of an elder, notice what it says not a novice, not a new convert. Lest being lifted up with what? Pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Elders are not to be proudful, that's the context. The devil was proud and fell from God's grace and left his habitation Jude six. When we become high minded, when we put ourselves, just as Ben laid out so beautifully this morning with the story of Uzzah, not, I should say story. I liked, I liked what Terry said the account of Uzzah. Why did he touch the cart? Why, why did David give them the cart? Why did Israel not say, Do not touch the ark? because they put themselves in a place equal with or better than God. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6 Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself under the protection of God. In Exodus chapter 3 verses 19 and 20 that's what That's what they were under. The nation of Israel was under when they were in captivity. They were under the protection of God. Verse uh, 19, And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. You're under my protection. My might's greater than his might. problem with the king of the pharaoh was he wasn't humble he was in charge he, he failed to recognize that God put him in that role and God would take him out persecution may take one's life but God will deliver them safely to heaven So, he forget all that's going on think of that prize to be a partaker of the glory to come 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 casting all your care upon Him for He cares for you. God wants you to put our trust in Him. Not to worry about the things of this life. Remember that's what, what Jesus was trying to get the point across on the Sermon to the Mount. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. Therefore I say unto you take no thought for your life don't worry what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink nor yet for your body what ye shall put on is not the light more than meat and the body than rain? Those that see his blessings every day are the ones already putting him first. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that they were worried about shall be added unto you. God cares about his people. If we are under his protection, we have nothing to worry about. Romans chapter 8 verse 31, Paul says, why shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Even during great persecution, God's on our side. Lord willing, we'll, we'll look at the final verses of this great book. But tonight we will offer the invitation, the Lord's invitation. It starts by hearing the word of God on the skin 17. So did faith come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the reason why the Word was written. All the miracles that He did were written so that you may believe. John verses 20, and uh, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And many other signs truly that Jesus and the presence of His disciples which are not written in this book. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And believing you may have life through His name. When you realize that your life doesn't align with the word of God, that's where repentance comes in. In Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5, Jesus says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And so repentance is, <coughs> is required for one to walk in the light as he is in the light. Then we must uh, confess him before others. Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 and 33 Jesus says if we confess him before men he will also confess us before the Father which is in heaven. But if we deny him before men he will also deny us before the Father which is in heaven. Peter had made that great confession Matthew 16 verse 16 when Jesus says who do you say I am? He says you are the Christ the Son of the living God. But then he faltered. They said, you were with this man. wasn't me. Not I. He didn't continue to confess him before me. He had a moment of weakness. He recovered from it and he became a great man in the Bible. He met the qualifications of being an elder in the church. And so we can see how how we can we can make that confession made on the life, Romans 10, 9 and 10. But if we deny him at any point, we fall from God's grace, because we're denying. him. During the great persecution, Peter denied Christ.
1: And then you must allow
0: someone to immerse you in water, that is to bury you, to have your sins washed away, Acts twenty-two, sixteen, coming in contact with the blood of the Lamb, Revelation 10 five. And then you have to live faithful till the end. Revelation 2.10 He will give us that crown of life. If perhaps you have obeyed the gospel but something has caused you to deny the faith, uh, to stumble along the way, we, if you need prayers of the church or if you need to obey the gospel for the first time, we, we invite you to do so as together we stand and sing the song and encourage